Welcome to a special edition today of The Howl. This is our All-Star Weekend and Flip Saunders Tribute Edition. I am joined by Rob Hess. Rob, thanks for uh, thanks for joining in on this with me. Yeah, definitely. I think this is uh, an important thing for us to do with All-Star Weekend coming up. And then obviously with the Flip Saunders Tribute game that me and you are going to be at, I think it's going to be uh, important to touch on that and kind of go over uh, the events. Yeah, this, it's it's going to be a great night. Uh, lots of emotion, but should overall be a very fun game. We are going to discuss the Minnesota Timberwolves two games leading up to the All-Star game. We're going to start, though, with the most important of the two, and that is the tribute to Flip at the Target Center as the Wolves take on the Lakers. Rob, the Howell crew, you, Aaron, and I were all there for the the festivities, and it was a, a great so yeah, tonight was a was a lot of fun. Uh, Kevin, obviously, me and you got there uh, fairly early, so doors opened at six. We were there before that even, and there was already a pretty good crowd waiting to get in just for the doors open. Although I will say, once we got in there, um, you definitely had a diff- different atmosphere than I expected. I was expecting more people to get there early, you know, get to the seats, and really take part in this night when we were going to celebrate Flip Saunders. Um, how about you? Weren't you a little surprised it wasn't busier? I was, um, but I think the crowd that was there, I mean, you're running a, a celebration of Flip, you know, 45 minutes before the game starts. It is a little bit of a later game. So I think there's a there's a small combination that, you know, you're, you're setting up for maybe a smaller crowd, an 8 o'clock game on a Thursday, Granted, it is nationally televised, and yes, it is a Flip Saunders tribute, but you push a game back an hour, and you're going to lose a little bit of the base, and, and some people, you know, especially that time frame uh, with dinner and, and, you know, whatnot, it just it doesn't necessarily set up for a packed-out house. It should, because everybody should want to pay tribute to one of the to, – I'm going to call him the greatest coach in Timberwolves history, uh, but – you know, Minnesotans love to stick to that schedule that they have, that lifestyle, and, and sometimes that doesn't always equate to butts in the seats right when the show starts. But uh, for those that were there to see it, it was very well done, and I absolutely loved every minute of it. Yeah, I thought they did a really good job of just, whether it was incorporate, incorporating some former players, um, obviously talking to his family a bit, I just thought they did a really good job of highlighting, you know, the life that was Flip Saunders. Now, this was the second time they've done this. Um, you know, shortly after he passed away in, in 2015, they did um, kind of have a, a smaller tribute uh, at a game. But this was this was like the true tribute, where, you know, where they're going to really highlight him, highlight his life, and then obviously put the banner up. I, I thought uh, the celebration was done really well. Um, I know we talked about this a little off air, but we'll bring it up here now. The the one thing that was a little unfortunate was that you couldn't get KG there, and I'm going to choose to believe that was TNT. I, I know there's we've we've seen some people on on Twitter that have been a little upset, and they kind of felt like, well, if KG wanted to be there, KG would be there. But I think what people need to realize is that TNT is is a business, and All Star Weekend is big for them, and it's in LA, and it's kind of an all hands on deck type situation, so. I, I can kind of understand where TNT says, you know what, we we need you here. 
Yeah, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean we have to like it, but you have to understand that, you know, like you said, this is one of their biggest weekends, and they have to make sure that, that everybody is well-prepared and ready to go for the show. And, uh, you know, I, I'm in the same boat that I would like to think it's TNT and it's not Kevin Garnett. And uh, given the opportunity, KG would be there, and it would be monumental, and it would be great to see um, I do think to a small point, KG's issues with ownership has a little bit of it where, I mean, you know, if KG really wanted to be here, I think he'd fight for it. And I think TNT would give him the opportunity, but I think there is a little, you know, issue with KG and management. And so I think it's more TNT, but I don't think KG is 100% off the hook. Sure, I can understand that. I, I think that's probably fair. There's definitely some animosity between him and uh, Glenn Taylor. So there's definitely, uh, you, you know, you hope someday that that fence can be mended. But, you know, that's kind of a different topic. Uh, I, I kind of wanted to go over some of the stuff they talked about tonight, some things that maybe not everyone realizes. So Flip Saunders obviously went to the University of Minnesota. But one fun fact I thought was kind of cool they talked about tonight was that he started 101 of his 103 career contests. And as a senior, um, you know, some of the teammates he had, he you know, played with Kevin McHale, Michael Thompson. So I think that's kind of a cool thing, you know, for people that know Flip Saunders, the Timberwolves coach. Uh, but, you know, before that, he had he had Minnesota ties that I don't think everyone realizes. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, I didn't know a lot about Flip's life uh, before the Timberwolves. I mean, you know, I was very young when Flip started coaching the team and, uh, you know, kind of grew up watching flip coach the team but i never really knew a lot about his history and uh the fact that he you know was a u of m guy and and you know when glenn taylor purchased the team you know flip was the guy to to you know write a letter and send you know his his offensive and defensive playbooks to to glenn and ask for the job and um you know you got you got to see more than just basketball flip saunders and that was the that was the good thing and you know, listening to his wife uh, speak and, and, you know, listening to Chauncey and Sam, you know, you, you get the sense that, you know, especially the players, like everybody loved Flip. I mean, there there was not one remotely negative thing said about him, and it just speaks to the character of him and who he, who he was as a person. Yeah, and as far as, you know, one thing you touched on briefly was that he kind of, he had reached out, they talked about this tonight, how he reached out to Glenn Taylor about working with the Minnesota Timberwolves. And, I, you know, there's so many cool stories just like that. And, you know, to get more specific into that specific one, though, I liked how he talked about how Flip Saunders sent him, you know, a defensive playbook, an offensive playbook, you know, kind of as a, this is my resume, look at, you know, look at the kinds of things that I, I'm willing to bring to Minnesota. I just think that's a that's a cool way to kind of send a resume, I guess you could say. I, I thought that was really cool. Uh, you know, a couple of things, they touched on this briefly, but kind of some some fun Flip Saunders facts. Uh, he began his coaching career at Golden Valley Lutheran College. Uh, 92 and 13 was the record, including a perfect 56 and 0 mark at home in the four seasons he was the coach there. Uh, that's a pretty cool deal. Uh, I mean, to, to to be able to put up those kind of numbers. Now, granted, this is, this isn't, you know, necessarily Division One, you know, Big Ten or anything big like that. But still, you know, for your first coaching stint, 
that's a pretty that's a pretty big accomplishment. You know, one thing they also talked about tonight specifically was kind of the legacy that Ryan Saunders brings to the table. Um, if you want to get a kind of a better look at that, I, I can strongly recommend it. I know Kevin, you read this too, but the the John Krasinski article for the Athletic, I think, does a really good job of kind of touching on not only Flip Saunders but Ryan Saunders. And you know, when I was when we're watching that ceremony tonight, the one thing I couldn't help but think of is they had talked, you know, in the past of how one of Flip Saunders' goals was eventually to kind of pass that baton to his son Ryan, and and I don't know about you, Kevin, but I hope someday that Ryan Saunders is the head coach of the Timberwolves. I would love to see that. And, yes, I, I strongly recommend that article. It is um, on The Athletic, and usually it's a paid subscription, but they made that article available to everybody. And it's it's a brilliant, brilliant article. Uh, I've seen a lot of people retweet it and pass on their, their notes, and finally I, I read it, and I'm so glad I did. Uh, I would love to see that happen. I would love to see Ryan move into that role or move into a, a larger role within the organization one way or another. Um, you know, that kind of knowledge being passed on to you, learning from Flip, and now you're learning from Tom Thibodeau and, you know, his time in Washington with, uh, uh, with Flip as well. I mean, he's going to be a highly coveted piece in the NBA in a few years. And the Wolves would be very wise to lock him down very long term. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, if you you know you look back at uh you know when we had Rick Adelman, and obviously uh, his son David Adelman was with the team and was a really you know highly touted coach. But then you know Tom Thibodeau comes in and kind of brings his own staff, brings his own vision, and I really appreciated that. I'm assuming Glenn Taylor was part of that. You know, they they made it a point to say, you know, Ryan Saunders is staying. So I thought that was a a good personnel move. But it, it's good on and off the court. You know, one thing that Ryan Saunders brings um, that's nice is that modern feel to the basketball game. You know, he owns his own analytics company. There's just some some things to like there, uh, to say the least. Um, but moving on, uh, let's let's move on to the game. What were your thoughts, I guess, specifically on the game? Let's touch on that. You know. This was one of the more nerve-wracking games. Uh, you know, you said right at right at tip-off, Rob, your exact words were, I want a wire-to-wire win. And the Lakers scored the first points, and, you know, it kind of just it seemed to get out of hand from there. I think the first eight points were between uh, Lopez and Randall, and they were, you know, just follow-ups. They were crashing the boards, and and we looked – like we weren't ready to play. We came off, we came slow and, and the Lakers capitalized and props to them for, for fully capitalizing. I think at one point in this game, they got up 15 points on the Wolves and, and it wasn't looking good. Um, you know, Julius Randall and Zubak and Lopez and leaving Caldwell Pope open for, you know, threes and, and Isaiah Thomas drawing every foul that he possibly can. I mean, it just, it, it, seemed like it was going to go down the traditional path of a, a Wolves game where they have something big to play for, bigger than them as, as individuals, and they can't come together and do it. And this Wolves team battled back, and it was it was really nice to see. And, you know, you have the performances that you do from, you know, Jimmy and Cat, but 
Then you get the, the quiet performance of the night from Taj Gibson, and the guys just, you know, they, they came together and, and pulled it out. Yeah, it was really nice to see. You know, looking at the box score, I think it's kind of funny. So, in the end, we only, you know, we win this game 119-111. But it almost, it felt like this game really was closer than that, you know, throughout this, this what obviously ended up being a victory. What's crazy is you look at the box score, though, and almost every single Laker is a, is a minus, and like a lot. Like Brendan Ingram, minus 22. Julius Randle, minus 17. Josh Hart, minus 10. Uh, Brooke Lopez, minus three. Uh, KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, the only starter that was a, was a net positive. Uh, and that surprises me. Uh, you know, the one thing I will say I'd like to see, um, take a guess, Kevin, who was the, uh, the leading plus-minus guy uh, for the Lakers? Ooh, I'm going to have to go with, uh, I think I'm going to be wrong here, but Corey Brewer? It is Corey Brewer, and it's a, Corey Brewer by a landslide, plus 14. How many minutes did he get? Uh, he actually only played 13 minutes. But, you know, in those minutes, uh, the six Rob, points. The, the, correct answer, the correct answer there was not nearly enough. Yeah, apparently, right? I mean, the guy's obviously getting, you know, he's, he's obviously a little, little older at this stage, but he, he always seems to bring an effort. And I, I wouldn't call it revenge game because, I, I, you know, there was, it's not like there was any ill will with Corey Brewer, but he definitely always seems to play well anytime we're playing them. Whether it's you know when he's, when he's with the Rockets, whether he's with the Wolves, he seems to always find a way to have our number. This this game was really interesting in the sense of you could see you know Cat and Julius Randle going at it, and uh, you know Julius Randle begging for every call and getting a few that he probably shouldn't have, and Cat you know missing early and just out-rebounding everybody on the floor, not even close. 19 boards. And, and fourth quarter, it was, I think it was like five, six minutes left. Cat, you know, gets this, gets a, a really solid uh, play on Julius Randle that's clean. They go down the other end, and uh, Julius Randle comes back with it. And I knew immediately, as soon as Julius Randle touched the ball, that he was going to try to drive on Cat, and he lowers his shoulders square into Cat. And, you know, at that point, I just, I lose all respect for Julius Randle. He just, I mean, it, it was just a dirty game. It was a, 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 you know, begging for every call. It was a whiny. He just, he did not make himself look remotely good as a teammate you know, and as a, as a big man. You know, I really don't like Julius Randle, and this game didn't do him any favors for sure. The one thing I was surprised with, so you mentioned where he ran over Towns, and it was funny because you could see it happening. So he he kind of gotten bumped by someone else when they were kind of going for the basketball, and when he grabs the ball, you can you can already tell because he's kind of like he almost acts like a spoiled child at times, and you could see it. He just seemed so angry, and he he just gets like a running start. And, just, and you're like, well, he's clearly out of control. He's going to run Towns over, and he does, and he gets called for it. But, but earlier in the game, if you recall this part, Kevin, when he just you know, basically slapped Jimmy Butler in the face, uh, clearly, and to me it looked like it was on purpose. And, and you know, Aaron, uh, who was at the game with us, he said the same thing. It, it looked on purpose. They went to the, the replay, and they still called it a common foul. I was very surprised by that. I thought for sure that would be a flagrant. 
I was too, and the thing the thing with it too that made it look like a flagrant was that the hand that hit Butler in the face wasn't even going for the ball. The ball was behind him at this point, and Jimmy's in front of him, and he hits Jimmy in the face. So it's, he's not going for the ball. He's not making a basketball move. He's not anything along those lines. Like he's he's not controlling his body, and he hits Butler in the face. Luckily, Butler's okay, but. I just I don't get how that's not a flagrant. Yeah, I agree. Uh, a little a little bit more trivia here. Who was the one Timberwolf that that got minutes that was a minus? I would have to go with Andrew Wiggins. No, Andrew Wiggins was a plus three. Uh, uh, Bielitsa was a minus five. That's not bad for, I mean, for he was the only minus on the team. Only minus of guys that played minutes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly okay with that. I like the positive aspect of things. Uh, Jeff Teague shot well tonight. Jamal shot well tonight. Overall, I think uh, a pretty, pretty solid effort from the guys, and they, and they battled back. They, they fought through some adversity and, and, uh, and, and got the win tonight, and that's really important. Yep, no, I agree. I agree. Let's uh, let's move on to a game that our let's go backwards, I guess, in this case, and take a look quick at the uh, at the Houston game. That's a game you go into. I don't know that we necessarily expected a win, and you know, for like three quarters, maybe even you know a, a decent part of the fourth, I felt like you know we we really fought hard. But you come down to the end of that game, and it was pretty obvious. That I mean, that's just a better team at this stage. And a big part of it is three-point shooting. I mean, there's a reason why that team wins games. I mean, they shot 47 three-pointers. And just to put that into comparison, the Wolves shot 23. So you're talking about a team shooting more than double the amount of three-pointers. And in the modern NBA, that's tough. Now, it'd be one thing, you know, a good example would be the, the Brooklyn Nets. They shoot a ton of three-pointers, but they don't shoot a great percentage. Houston shoots a ton of three-pointers, but they make a ton of three-pointers. I mean, in this game specifically, 22 of 47. So for basically 47%, that's crazy. Yeah, that's that's a that's a healthy clip, and that's hard to compete with no matter who you are in this league. Um, you know, in all honesty, I, I didn't watch any of the game. I was at the Wild game, but, um, you know, getting updates on my phone and seeing – you know, the Wolves kind of staying with them and making it close. And then, you know, checking my phone in the fourth, you see them start to pull away. And it goes from like a three-point game to a 17-point game pretty quick. And and the first thought in your head is, yep, they're making their threes. And, and to see that kind of stat line, I mean, it just it goes to show that there is a top-tier upper echelon in the West that includes, you know, Houston and Golden State. And everybody else is is kind of that second tier, um, you know, Wolves, uh, Spurs, OKC, that kind of thing. And and it's it's you know, there's really nobody else moving into that that first tier in the West. It's more or less a runaway between Houston and Golden State. And for Houston, it's because of their three making ability. And it, and it's tough to be too upset at this stage with the Wolves. I mean, you go from being a team that hasn't made the playoffs in, you know, 13 years, you can't expect them to go from, you know, loser to championship uh, in one season. That's just not realistic. So 
I, I think, you know, sitting at that three or four seed, if they can, you know, win the division like they are currently, and if they can get that, you know, first-round playoff homestand, so if they can have home court advantage in that first round, I think that'd be pretty big, and I think that would help to ensure you get that first-round victory. And for me, that's – anything else after that first-round victory is pretty gravy to me. Uh, would it be great to win a couple rounds? Oh, of course. And and I will say, you know, you lose this game 126 to 108, but I don't think the gap is that large. I, I do think with, um, you know, with some fine-tuning, with, with, you know, with some time, I think we could, we could make it a series. Like, let's just say we're playing the Rockets in a, in a seven-game series. I think we could easily make that thing go, you know, six games, maybe seven. Yeah, and the big thing that, that people need to remember is, like you said, the Wolves haven't been in the playoffs in, what, 13 years, 14 years? We're currently mm-hmm. 11 games over 500 at, at the All-Star break. Like, this is, this is a good spot to be. Nobody's picking us to win the NBA championship this year. Like, let's, let's enjoy the ride. Let's have fun where we're at. We're winning. We're a top four seed in the West, a very, very tough division tough conference like let's let's enjoy the ride yeah i I agree uh you know before we get into our our next quarter uh, i want to go over and touch quick just on the iowa wolves so uh with the all-star break uh here for the nba uh the iowa wolves and the g league in general are are also taking a bit of a break at this moment um so you know the next games are going to be coming next week uh so looking ahead uh, we have we play westchester and we also play uh, Rio Grande Valley uh, are a couple games we're going to be looking for next week. Um, as far as the break goes, uh, some things to watch for. Michael Bryson, uh, one of my favorite players from the Iowa Wolves, he's actually going to take part in the, uh, the 2018 NBA G League Slam Dunk Contest. So, you know, that's going to be something to watch for. Um, as far as the two-way players, let's say Justin Patton, it was nice to hear that this week they were up with the team, the the pro team here in Minnesota, and getting some practice in. And I think that Justin Patton down the road is going to be a really solid player. So it'll be nice going forward uh, for him to continue playing really well with Iowa. They're talking about uh, after this uh, all-star break, he's going to have his minutes restriction lifted, which means he's going to get, it sounds like, full starters minutes. And Tom Thibodeau has, has been a record saying he's probably going to keep him in the G League just because they really want him to keep getting that solid, you know, starters minutes, big-time uh, professional-level minutes. Because if you bring him up here to the actual uh, Minnesota Timberwolves team, he's not going to get those minutes. He's going to get some, you know, playing time practice, things like that, maybe spot minutes if the Wolves are up by a lot. But he's just not going to learn as much. Um, but, but going forward, you know, in the, in the upcoming season, you know, next year, year after that, I think you're going to see a bigger impact from Patton because I think he's a really solid player. So that's kind of your Iowa Wolves updates. Touch on All-Star Weekend, Rob. That is coming up this weekend, and we're actually going to have some representation this weekend uh, in at least one event. We know that Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns have been voted into the All-Star game as reserves. They're both playing with, I believe it's with Steph Curry, right? They're both reserves on Team Curry. They are. And thank goodness, because if they had been on Team LeBron, they'd probably be hurt just because everyone yeah, on his team... They'd both probably be out for the year at this point. I mean, it's crazy how many injuries he has had. I, I, it's remarkable to me. Well, you know, they say that the curse of LeBron is uh, is, is alive and well, and, and this is just bringing everything home. 
Yeah, that's probably that's probably what it is. Uh, why don't we start off? You know, if we're talking All Star Weekend, let's start off with the first event. Uh, it's definitely not as big as some of the others, but I personally enjoy it, which is the uh, the NBA All Star Celebrity Game. So, for anyone that that isn't aware of this, uh, ESPN has it every year. Um, it's always a fun time. You know, past people that have been in this, you know, Kevin Hart always seems to make a big appearance. He's a multi-time MVP. So it's it's always a fun game to watch, whether it's the celebrities, whether it's like former players. A lot of times they'll have uh, current WNBA players. Um, let me go over just some of the some of the players from the rosters. So this year, because the game is in Los Angeles, they have uh, Team Clippers and Team Lakers. So Team Clippers is Anthony Anderson. He's from uh, ABC's Blackish, which if you don't watch that, you should. It's, it's very well done. Uh, Brandon Armstrong. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know him, he's actually on our radio station. He's on Nothing But Net. He does have a show. Uh, he also does acting, and he does uh, social media. He's big into – he's the one that does the NBA player videos where he uh, pretends to be them. But uh, the show he's on is uh, Boss, and it's him and Oliver Maroney. With uh, uh, Oliver Maroney, that. yep. Yep, exactly. Um, and then we also have uh, Miles Brown, another uh, – someone from the ABC show Blackish that, uh, again, very funny. Uh, Wynn Butler, he's been in it a few years now. Um, he's a member of the – he's the lead singer of Arcade Fire and, and actually a pretty good basketball player. Puts on a pretty good uh, show every year. Common, he's in it almost every year as well, um, and he's actually a really good basketball player. Um, Andre DeGrasse, he's an Olympic sprinter. Uh, Stephanie Dolson, she's uh, from the WNBA's Chicago Sky. Jamie Foxx, who obviously everyone knows. Paul Pierce is in this. So as far as players go, he's, you know, relatively young and, you know, obviously shortly removed from the NBA, which generally it's guys that have been out of the league longer. So Paul Pierce obviously still has it. Uh, Daisha Polanco, she's an actress and activist. Bubba Watson, obviously people know who he is, the two-time Masters champion. And then uh, White Chocolate, Jason Williams rounds out that team. So that should be a lot of fun to watch. As far as uh, Team Lakers goes, uh, Sterling Brim, he's from MTV's Ridiculousness. Uh, Nick Cannon, obviously everyone knows him, and he's been in this a lot. He's actually a decent player. Uh, Terrence Crawford, he's a boxer. Rachel Demita, and anyone that plays 2K obviously knows who that is. Uh, she's also an actress, a model, but her big thing for basketball fans is she's the NBA 2K TV host. Uh, Jerry Ferrara, I mean, who doesn't know uh, him? He's actually currently from Stars' is Power. You have Mark Lazary, and that's uh, one of the Bucks co-owners. He's been doing this a few years, and I always kind of appreciate it when the owners get involved in this. Um, Tracy McGrady, I mean, who doesn't know him? NBA legend, obviously, currently works for ESPN, but can obviously still play at a, probably a pretty high level, at least in, in terms of celebrity games anyways. Uh, Caleb McLaughlin, he is uh, one of the stars of Stranger Things, which one of the best shows out there if you haven't watched it. Candace Parker. Obviously, any WNBA fans know who she is with the Los Angeles Sparks. Uh, former NBA legend Nate Robinson, who's actually also going to be in the Big Three uh, this coming summer. So he's in this. Drew Scott, he's one of the uh, Property Brothers, and uh, he actually played uh, college basketball. So another player that obviously can play. And then someone we've featured on our show before, as far as music goes, is, uh, lastly would be Chris Wu, actor, uh, singer, uh, and music producer. So some pretty good lineups. It's definitely worth a look if you haven't watched it in the past. As far as these teams go, what are your thoughts, Kevin? Who do you think is going to win? 
you know, I, I got to give this hands down to any team that has Jay Will and Bubba Watson on it. That's just that's a, that's right. Well, and, and then that in Paul Pierce and and yeah. Win Butler's oh, no, it's, yeah, it's, with you. it's completely it's completely over at that point. I mean, anytime you have that kind of lineup, I will say though, this is probably going to be one of the more exciting games that we've seen uh, in in recent memory. And I think that there's actually going to be some incentive between, you know, athlete to athlete, musician to musician, actor to actor kind of thing for a little bit more competition. I think this, I think this game gets deep. Yeah, I think so too, but I'm with you. So team Clippers uh, is the team that has the players mentioned. So yeah, I'm with you. I, I think if we're going to make a guess, I would say I'm with you. Team Clippers would, uh, would take out uh, team Lakers. So then, so moving on from that, obviously the next thing would be the Rising Stars competition. Uh, now that's where you get into the, the kind of the true spirit of All-Star Weekend. That's on TNT. The Wolves historically have had players in this, but, but this is a season where we don't. Obviously our lone young star would be Justin Patton, but he's not, you know, he's not currently playing with the team. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Rising Stars game? Are you, are you a fan, Kev? I do like this game. I think it's fun to watch them compete against each other. Like, like you said, you know, we had a lot more interest when we had guys like Wiggins and Towns and when Levine was on the team and Gorgie, like, you know, all of those guys playing, I think, at least for me, there was more interest. Um, I do like this year's rookie class a lot. And I think it'll be fun to watch. I'll, I'll, I'll probably watch a little bit, but I'm not going to follow it with the same intensity, I guess, that you could say. Um, that I've watched in the past when we've had multiple Wolves players be a part of it. Yeah, you know, if you're looking at the list, it's a lot of, well, you know, obviously familiar names when it comes to the league. The Wolves, now to be fair, the Wolves would have a representative if we had not traded for Jimmy Butler, uh, depending on if he had played this well here, which that's a whole other debate. Probably Chris not. But... In this game, right? right. That's, that's kind of my thinking too. But, I mean, I'll, I'll root for Chris Dunn. Yeah, you know, he's got some Wolves ties. But, I mean, there's some big names. I'll just go over these quick. So, it's, you know, the new thing that they do uh, the last few years has been the world team versus the U.S. team. So, when you're looking Which at I world love. team, right, I, I, I think it just adds a little bit extra to it. So, the world team, you're looking at uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Dylan Brooks, Joel Embiid, Buddy Heald, our guy Lowry Markinen, who we're obviously big fans of, Jamal Murray, another guy, uh, you know, we really like. Frank Nilakina, DeMontis Sabonis, you know, one of my favorite young players out there. Uh, Dario Saric and Ben Simmons. I mean, that's a, that's a really good lineup. When you, when you move I, on can to... Can I ask you a question, Rob, real quick, before you get into the Team USA? Where does yeah. it say Dylan Brooks is from? I'm actually really curious. Well, it lists Dylan Brooks. Uh, you know, it doesn't say where they're actually from. It just says, it just says the team. That's interesting because I, I always I thought he was from the state. So to hear him on the world roster, well, that's really he interesting. Could be, though, but he might just be playing. You know, he could be. You know, he could be from the states, but maybe he's got dual citizenship because he was born. Uh, well, actually, no, he was born in Canada. Oh, okay, that makes sense. I didn't. I did not realize that. Um, yeah, he and he actually played for the. He's with the the Canadian men's national team too now. I, I absolutely love his game. I think that's a really good roster. Like you said, Sabonis on that squad, um, Bogdanovich. I mean, that's, that's a team that can compete. I think, 
I, and it's going to be it's it's really going to be a good game. I I think this one's going to be tougher to pick. When you go into Team USA, um, now they would have Lonzo Ball and Malcolm Brogdon, but they're both injured currently. So if you look at the guys that are actually going to be playing, you have Jalen Brown, John Collins, Chris Dunn, Brandon Ingram, uh, the breakout star Kyle Kuzma, and Donovan Mitchell, obviously uh, a good chance maybe a rookie of the year, Dennis Smith Jr., Jason Tatum, Torian Prince, and De'Aaron Fox. On the surface, if I'm looking at these two teams, I honestly got to give it to Team USA. I just think they've got more budding stars on this team, or even current stars in the case of you know some of these rookies. So for me, I'm going to go Team USA. What what are your thoughts? You know the the combo of Jalen Brown, John Collins, and Kyle Kuzma for me puts it over the edge. The world team has a very good roster, but like you said, you've got you know Spider Mitchell, you've got all those guys on there. That's that's a tough lineup to beat. I I have to go with Team USA on this as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously, world team's got some, some, some world beaters, as we'll say. Ben Simmons, I mean, you know, there's some players, but ultimately I'm going to give the edge to Team USA. Uh, when you move on to now, now we can move on to the big, kind of the big portion of the weekend. And now this is normally something that the Wolves are obviously a big, a part, big part of, which is All-Star Saturday night. Uh, no representatives this time, but let's go over some of the stuff. So the first event is the Taco Bell Skills Challenge. I would have loved to see either last year or this year Carl Towns defend his title, uh, but he chose not to. But as a result, you do get some, you're getting some solid players in this. Uh, Joel Embiid, Buddy Heald, Lou Williams, Andre Drummond, kind of a surprise for me, Andre Drummond, uh, Al Horford, Lowry Markinen, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jamal Murray. Who are you thinking out of this group uh, has a chance to win? You know, Carl Anthony Towns looks like he paved the way for the big men to come rolling through in this uh, in this challenge. I would love to see Joel Embiid pull it out and win it, either him or uh, or Lowry for me. I mean, I got to go with one of those two. I think it's if it's not, I do like Joel Embiid. If it's gonna be one of the guards, though, I would go Buddy Heald. I think Buddy Heald. You know what? In fact, uh, so we're not picking the same thing every time. I'm going Buddy Heal. That's going to be my pick for this. I'm just a big Buddy fan. I, I like what he brings to the table, and I think with his skill set, he's got a chance to win. I think that'll be fun. Moving on to the, uh, the JBL three-point contest, we have uh, Eric Gordon, Devin Booker, Clay Thompson, Bradley Beal, Wayne Ellington, Kyle Lowry, Tobias Harris, and Paul George. This is a tough one to pick. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, we're not seeing a lot of the mainstay guys that we've seen the last couple of years um, just because of the team that he's on and their ability to shoot the threes. I got to go with Eric Gordon. Uh, I think, uh, I think it's close, but I think he, uh, I think he pulled it out. So I'm going to go with the Wolves ties here. So I'm going to go Wayne Ellington. Uh, I, I think he's a guy that has really been solid throughout his career as far as shooting and the fact that we drafted him uh, kind of – he's got a soft spot in my heart here. So I'm going to go Wayne Ellington. Uh, you know, he's probably got low odds. If, we're, if I was a betting man here, I think I could get some nice odds on Wayne Ellington to win this thing. Yeah, that's a, that's a good return on your investment if you're, uh, if you're able to, to predict that correctly there. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, and then obviously to the, what, what in some cases is the main event, uh, especially recently with what Zach Levine's been able to do, I think he's really revitalized this competition that's the Verizon slam dunk this year we've got Victor Oladipo Donovan Mitchell Larry Nance Jr. Dennis Smith Jr. this is a tough one to predict 
I I don't know what I, you got a favorite. Oh, I got to go, Dennis Smith Jr. I, I watching him. I mean, a, a close second would be Donovan Mitchell, but for me, I have to say Dennis Smith Jr. takes it. Dennis Smith was definitely the first name that came out to me, but I, you know what? I just I can't deny what this guy is bringing to the table and the fire he plays with. I'm going to go with your second pick. I'm going to go Donovan Mitchell here. Spider Mitchell. I think he uh, that's, that's a has that's a, really a good, good choice. Shot. I think those two will be in the final. And then moving on to uh, some, I mean, I guess technically it's the main event, but I don't know that most people view the All Star Game, you know, as much as they like Saturday night. I, what's your preference? Do you feel like the All Star Game itself is the big event, or do you feel like the skills challenge and you know that whole Saturday night deal is kind of the big deal? Um, I think it's a combination of everything that makes the All Star Game what it is. I think the I think the the festivities on Sunday are a good wrap-up. I think the main event is Saturday night, but Sunday is a good wrap-up to, you know, the, the, the high-flying and, and, and fun that we see on Saturday night. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Now, for anyone that's not aware of how this has worked, um, you know, there's two captains, LeBron and Steph Curry, and they were able to select their teammates. Unfortunately, it was not televised. You know, after the fact, LeBron said, oh, this should have been televised. It's like, well, I mean, I'm pretty sure beforehand the reports were that none of you wanted it televised because you're all soft. But that's a whole separate issue. Uh, if we go over the rosters quick, uh, so Team LeBron, you have uh, Aldridge, Beal. You had DeMarcus Cousins. He got injured. You had Anthony Davis, got injured. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, who got injured, Victor Oladipo. Christoph Porzingis injured, John Wall injured, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Andre Drummond, Goran Dragic, Kemba Walker. So obviously it's an all-star game, so you're getting nothing but stars. Team, team uh, Curry, Giannis, Jimmy Butler, DeMar DeRozan, Joel Embiid, Draymond Green, James Harden, Al Horford, Dame Lillard, Kyle Lowry, Clay Thompson, and Carl Towns. For me personally, I think Team Curry's going to win here. I just think the fact that, number one, no injuries is kind of nice. So you're getting the actual players that you wanted. So if you think about any time you're creating a team on, like, 2K or if you're drafting, let's say, a fantasy roster, you kind of know what you're looking for. And as you're filling out that draft, you're getting guys that you think fit with the current group you already have. In LeBron's case, he just got thrown four players at the end. Now, granted – I don't think anyone's scoffing at Paul George, Andre Drummond, uh, Dragic, and Kemba Walker, but it might not necessarily fit what he was going for. So I think in the end, uh, uh, Team Curry, or in this case, I, I think we can call it Team Wolves, since he's got Towns and Butler, I think they're going to pull it off. i got to agree with you. I, I don't think it's anywhere close, especially when you throw Giannis and Clay and Steph in that mix, too. I think this will be a fun game, but I think it'll be a runaway for Team Curry. Yep. I think, uh, I think they have a really good shot of winning this thing. I just think given everything that they have, I, I, I'd be pretty shocked at this point if they don't win. So that's, that's yeah, kind of a I, look I, at the I 100% game. would be too. Let me, let's, let's do this, uh, you know, before we, before we move on. What are your thoughts as far as after the All-Star break, what you're thinking that the Wolves might look to do? Uh, reports have come out now that, you know, Derek Rose – is a guy that will probably jump onto a roster post-All-Star break because then he's going to be able to start practicing and kind of be able to, you know, become a part of a team at that stage. 
Uh, ultimately, do you think that we, we, we make, the, make the deal to bring him in? I think there's two teams in competition to get him, and the Wolves are one of them. The other is the uh, Washington Wizards, especially with John Wall being injured. We don't know for sure when he'll be back or how long he'll be out. So it'll be nice for the Wizards if they can get him because they'll get somebody that can contribute and come in right away and do some work. So I think it really comes down to salary and playing time. And I think Derrick Rose wants to play to be able to prove himself. And I think he, uh, I think ultimately he will sign with Washington. See, for my money, if, if you're Derrick Rose and you're trying to revitalize your career, I feel like the team that he looks to would be the Wolves. And the reason I say that is because familiar faces, you know, Jimmy Butler, Taj Gibson, but the guy that basically made you who you are, now granted, Derrick Rose was probably, at least in his prime, was going to be good no matter where he went. But his success was, you know, with Tom Thibodeau, was with the Bulls. So for me, I think if he gets his opportunity, and, and a lot of it depends on, you know, Tom Thibodeau's view of Tyus Jones in that backup point guard spot. But I think ultimately we see him as a wolf. It's one of those things where I think where there's smoke, there's fire. And you hear enough, enough things out there about Tom Thibodeau, his love for Derrick Rose, uh, you know, how much the former players appreciate what Tom Thibodeau brings to the table. I think ultimately we see a reunion. But uh, time will tell at that stage. Yeah, we, we should get an answer here, like you said, right after the All-Star game. And hopefully, you know, we, we get Derrick Rose and we, we treat it sensibly and we don't do anything to take away from Tyus's minutes and get, you know, like, like you said on a previous show, you know, even if we can get 70% of what Derrick Rose used to be, that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good Derrick Rose still that can contribute to the team. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's very low risk. Um, and I don't know if I'd say, you know, the common phrase is low risk, high reward. I'm not sure that there's a high reward uh, incident here. You know, I don't think he comes out of this and all of a sudden Derrick Rose is, is looking for that $150 million contract again this summer. But if he could contribute and be a solid player, you know, maybe it gives you some options in the offseason to trade Jeff Teague or at least, you know, gives you a little more flexibility. Because right now, if someone gets injured, you're looking at Aaron Brooks, and we know he's not the answer. So I think at this stage, at least it would give you another option. Thanks again for listening to the special edition All-Star Weekend and Flip Tribute of the Howl. Again, you can find us on Dash Radio Wednesdays from 2 to 5 p.m. Central and Saturdays from 10 to 1. 